Welcome, everybody, to Slip Angle Show. I'm Austin Cabot. I'm Adam Jubay. What's up, buddy? What's going on, man? Uh, we are at PRI 2017. Yeah. And we are in the Stilo booth with Mr. Jay Braxton. What's going on, Jay? How's it going, Austin? Doing great. Yeah. Great. So thanks for coming on the show. I know we actually, we've been talking about having you on the show for probably the past year and a half. Emails, you know, back, emails, back emails. When I, yeah. Actually, probably two years. I used yep. to live in Atlanta, yep. and I was going to come up to Charlotte yep. and sit down and record with you um, to get some good information, and it just never happened. I think you had Daytona, and then, uh, well, you had 24-hour, and okay. then you had Daytona because it was around, like, February or so. Right, probably had the um, Chili Bowl before that. Yeah, and it just it never ended up working out to where we could meet up. But here now, finally, two years later, uh, <laughs> we're able to have you on the show. That's how that's how much I wanted to have you on the show. Thank you very much. So thanks pleasure. so much for coming on. So, um, you know, Adam and I both were kind of looking around the booth here, and uh, there are some very, very, very nice and light helmets here. I cannot believe how light helmets can be. I, Isn't it amazing? <laughs> it's unbelievable. Well, Stilo makes the lightest helmet in the universe. Okay, what is the lightest one? What does it weigh? It's right around 1,200 grams. Okay. For the Stilo Zero. I'm pretty yeah. sure I have some sombreros that weigh more than that. They probably do. I know. Yeah, my yeah, my hair yeah, Austin's, more, uh, sure. Austin's like, mane yeah. behind his head weighs more than your helmet. Yeah. Yeah. Unbelievable. It's, it's one thing to say that it's 1,200 grams, and it's another thing to pick up something yeah. that's 1,200 grams, but it's another thing to pick up a helmet that weighs 1,200 yeah. grams. Like, if you pick up 1,200 gram weights, it doesn't, you know, it, it seems light, but yeah. then when you actually distribute all that weight across the actual size of a helmet, right? it's, oh my gosh, I it's, was so surprised. This is going to be an expensive show for me because we keep looking at cool products and yeah. doing interviews with people. And I'm like, oh, I think I need to buy one of those. <laughs> yeah. It's so funny. I've, I've heard people getting zeros, you know, delivered to them at home. Yeah. And they get the box from and UPS they, and they think it's empty. in the box. They, they stole the, the UPS man stole so the helmet. Yeah, it's empty. I'll send it, and then they open it up and there it is. Yeah. Man, so, so I mean, for, for you guys right now, um, you guys just rolled out some new Zero Line helmets too, right? Well, yep, we have a new 8860 helmet in the past. The only 8860 helmet that Stilo made was the Zero. And like I said, it was the lightest helmet in the world. Um, the only helmets that's available with integrated electronics, hydration, and uh, air. And um, anyway, so this year we have another 8860 helmet to complement the Zero. It's uh, priced uh, a little bit more than half of what the Zero is, uh, closer to what the Sportsman Racer maybe can afford. Okay. Um, it's priced at $27.99, and whereas the Zero is priced at $49.95, so right. a little bit of difference in price. It is still lighter than our competitors' 8860 helmets, although it's not as light as the Zero. Okay. Right. Um, and you all may or may not be aware there are several series that starting in 2018 are going to require all of their competitors and all of their classes to use 8860, which hadn't been the case in the past. And so we wanted to have a product that was uh, comparable to the Zero and all of the features mm -hmm. and, the, uh, and the quality of the so product, but maybe priced a little bit less, okay. yeah. weigh a little bit more. Personally, I'm not familiar with the FIA 8860 spec. Can you explain that to us a little bit? The 8860 is probably... It is the hardest spec for any manufacturer of helmets to reach. Okay. Um, it was created uh, many years back. There was an accident in Formula One where Felipe Massa 
was hit in the head with a spring off a car in front of him, mm-hmm. and it hit right in the eye port area. Yeah. And um, it created, he's lucky he's alive, but long story short, the FIA wanted to create what they called a super helmet spec. Okay. So this spec was originally created for Formula One drivers. Um, the helmet has to be carbon, has to have certain penetration um, characteristics, okay. so it can withstand certain penetration. You, you think about open-wheel drivers right. always have the chance to get hit in the head with something that yeah. maybe a closed cockpit driver yep. wouldn't. Yep. Um, and so it didn't necessarily start off to be a really lightweight helmet. They wanted it to be lightweight, but the carbon construction was more for penetration than it was for weight. Oh, okay. Really? But okay. it's, it's considered the strongest standard yeah. in the world. If you want you can't get anything that protects any better than an 8860. If a manufacturer can make an 8860 helmet, they put some serious time and effort into yeah. it. Okay. Yeah, I didn't know about that. So that's yep. uh, some really, really yeah. interesting information. Yeah, everybody uh, in the track day world and uh, the club mm-hmm. racer world just looks at the, you know, just the... The uh, snow rating. Yeah, the snow rating. Is it, and yep. what year is it? Yep. You know, and that's it. And, and, and yeah. just so you know, the uh, part of the FIA... Uh, specification. There's two FIA specifications, 8859 okay. and 8860. The um, Both of them have to meet the Snell standard before they can be certified to the FIA standard. Okay. okay. So any helmet that's uh, FIA 8859 is already, F- yeah. already Snell So it's above and well. beyond kind exactly. of stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Well above and beyond. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what uh, what is the uh, the history of uh, of Stilo in the U.S. Um, history of Stilo in the U.S. I think Stilo has been here in the U.S. for a little bit over five years now. Yeah, that's about what I thought. Yeah. Yep. Um, and um, they've been around. They actually started uh, in Europe in 1999. Okay. They started as a rally helmet. The uh, owner of the company um, was a professional rally racer. And he wanted to develop a communication system that was superior to anything else. That's kind of why they have the rally background. A lot of guys might be familiar with the open-face Stilo rally helmet. Right, that has the 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 molded-in mic. The molded-in mic. We're just looking at it right over here, yeah. And um, so that's... they got that perfected. They moved up to the point that uh, they were with Sebastian Loeb, and uh, they got some WRC championships. Yeah, yeah. And uh, they decided that they wanted to get into the racing market, not just the rally market. So they developed their first full-face helmet, okay. which was the ST4. And then they followed up with that several years ago with the new ST5. Yeah. They have a couple of buddies with ST5. Yeah. So yep. nice helmet. Yeah. yeah, one thing that I noticed, at least uh, here in the States, the Stilo ST4 when it was brought stateside, it was the one of the first helmets that was available in the states with integrated communications, hydration, it, stuff like that. And it, it was a it's a really really cool looking helmet. It, 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 yeah, I found that there's a lot of people that like it because it's got that star 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 Wars star uh, yeah. trooper stormtrooper look. Yeah, yeah. but uh, yes, what you mentioned, Stilo was the first helmet manufacturer to offer a helmet with integrated electronics and hydration yeah. that was also homologated with those features. Okay. It's not uncommon at all for somebody to buy one of our competitors' helmets and have a company that does radios install a radio into yep. the helmet. Yeah. The biggest difference was the Stilo was actually homologated by FIA and Snell. Okay. The testing was done with the electronics already in there that were factory installed. Okay. So technically... And some of the competitor helmets, when you would run some of those things, technically it wasn't homologated anymore. You're right. In some cases. Interesting. You're right. Okay. Yep. Wow. 
Yeah, that was uh, one, one thing that I've really liked about the Steeler units, too, is, you know, you have your, your higher-end carbon helmets. Yep. But now you also have some affordable composite helmets. Absolutely. That are, are really interesting, and they, they have all the same, same features, features, essentially. Yeah. Same features. The, uh, the uh, ST5 composite helmet, um, just so you know, they all fit exactly the same. If a small or a medium or a large composite helmet fits you, so will the, the same on the Zero. Okay. And the same features that are available on the Zero is standard, also comes standard on the composite helmets. Okay. So are for the carbon helmets versus the composites, is the interior essentially the same? All it the is. padding, it's all... all so if you huh. fit in one, you'll fit in so another. So it's, it's really yeah. just the exterior shell construction that makes the, you know, the largest the, difference. The EPS liners can be a little bit different also, but okay. yes, it's basically just the construction of the shell. Okay. Um... We, we do have um, all of the Stilo helmets have um, multi-density EPS liners. Okay. So there's a different density on top than there is on the side, and yeah. that's to help the um, the transfer of energy in an accident. Okay. Yeah. Keep it away from your noggin. Keep it away from your brain. Um, and the other thing that's kind of unique about the Stilos is they have so many different options for the padding inside the helmet. Um, you know, I came from another helmet manufacturer. And one of the first things I noticed when I tried the Stilo on was that I had to play with the padding a little bit to get it as comfortable. But by the time I was done, it wasn't as comfortable as my older helmet. It was more comfortable, right? Okay. Because there were so many different So it's more configurable. Options. Exactly. Yeah. Imagine if you had a pair of tennis shoes and you could change every possible padding yeah. option. It's in like them. the, the Dr. Scholl's of helmets, man. <laughs> right. It's a bespoke piece. We yeah. can yeah. actually we can tune it okay. to fit your head. Right? I didn't know that. And that's what, that. that's what a lot of your background is in, is in custom-fitting helmets, isn't yeah. it? Well, helmets... Head and neck restraints. Right. Basically, but something I learned a long time ago was if, if you can't get somebody comfortable in a piece of safety equipment, they're not going to wear it. Right. And the other thing is, if you can get them incredibly comfortable, then it's doing its job even better because now they can concentrate yeah. on driving. Yeah. They've got something yeah. else to do. Because a helmet or yeah. a head neck restraint right. or a set yeah. of belts or whatever the case is. Right. One thing that I, you know, I was just looking at some of the products and I had forgotten about it, um, but... Some of the sizes actually have multiple sizes. So, like in a large, you have a 59 and a 60. Exactly. You know, and some yep. of the other sizes are the same way. I, you know, I'm sure there's some other helmet manufacturers that do it, but I don't know any off the top of my head. It's something to me that is very unique to Stilo, at least in the helmets and the price ranges that I've been looking for. Right. Well, and, and, and it's like you mentioned, we, we want to have a range of sizes so that we can fit everybody perfect. Yeah. Right. Now, when, when somebody's shopping for a new helmet, you know, and they're trying on different helmets. Obviously, yep. helmets break in, yep. um, you know, and kind of form to your head a little bit. But what is the, the biggest thing or the main criteria that somebody that's shopping for a new helmet needs to look for? That it fits tight and that it fits properly. Okay. I don't care what? if you're buying a $200 helmet yeah. or a $10,000 helmet. It's not going to do its job if it doesn't fit properly. How, uh, and I find way too many competitors are still wearing helmets that do not fit. What happens is they fit the helmet to their face. Okay. They'll try and put a helmet on. They'll go, oh, it's too tight or too loose in the cheek pad area. Okay. And usually most helmet manufacturers have replaceable cheek pads of different thicknesses. Yeah. Um, you don't want to judge a helmet by how easy it is to get on or off. It should not be easy to get on and off. Right. Okay. It should take some effort. 
Um, I, I know for me personally, I even have to reach up and, you know, when I'm putting a helmet on, it might fold the tops of my ears down. Mm-hmm. I'll have yeah. to reach up in there and push, push, them, push them back up. Um, and too many people I'll find that they want a helmet that's really easy to get on and off, and then consequently it's, it's going to be too large yeah, once yeah. they get it on. And it's going to rotate on their head, and it's not going to do what they need okay. it to do. So in, in the back of your head and the side of your head, is that where you're looking for it to be? Well, the first thing you're looking is the top, okay. the crown. Whenever we measure somebody's head, we measure the largest area, which is right above the ears and okay. the eyebrows, yeah. and then around the back. And so that's the area that you're looking that you want it to fit for starters. Okay. A lot of times, if somebody's having a difficult time trying on helmets, I recommend they just pull the ear pads out. Okay. Pull the cheek pads out. And just try, and try the helmet on, on the and crown. see how it fits. Focus more is, on the important right, area up there. You know, I've, I've heard okay. it said before, your helmet isn't made to protect your face, it's made to protect your brain. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's that's very true. Okay. So if, if, if they're having a difficult time, I'll take the cheek pads out and we'll just do it with the top. And then go from there to fit it to the to the okay. face. And you can adjust those other things, exactly. like you said. Yep. Um, now, is, it, in your years of helmet experience, um, have you done much testing with like fatigue uh, on the different weights of helmets and how that affects the drivers? Yes, um, and, and it will. Yeah. Depending on how long the races are. Okay. So there is some value to having a lighter helmet if you're doing some extended races, yeah. like endurance type yeah. racing. But at the same time. The big issue with weight, weight is not as much an issue from a uh, safety standpoint now as it was 10 years ago before the advent of Hans devices and hybrids and head neck restraints. At that point in time, if you had an accident, the weight of the helmet multiplied exponentially. So a pound was a huge difference. Now the weight factor really is more about fatigue, like you said, as long as... You're wearing a head neck restraint, which I recommend all of your yeah, no, all of it's your a listeners big, do. Regardless it's a big thing we've, we've talked about, and right. we push it in the in the event series that we work in. Absolutely, um, yeah. Bessler skull fractures are not nothing to mess with. They're not. So. It, it, you know, neither are trips yeah. to the ER. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, uh, the the your experience in helmets. Um, what is the what is the the biggest problem you see with uh, with people buying a helmet? Is it t- too big? Uh, um. Too many people, honestly, too many people look at helmets based on price okay. and, and coolness factor. Yeah, I, I know that. I'm I guilty really of the do. price thing. Yeah. You know. the, the, the Your price first thing, helmet, you don't and, have much and, money. And they don't understand that just because two helmets, can, most people think that once you have that certification on the helmet, no. that they're all the same. Right. Yeah. If they all carry an 88 um, 59 certification or a Snell 2010 certification, yeah. they must all be the same. Okay. And nothing could be further from the truth. You so that's, know? that's just a minimum spec, right? That's a minimum okay. spec. Right. If they didn't have that, I could go make helmets in my backyard and I could say that they worked as good as the 8860s yeah. Stilo Zero for five grand. Yeah, Jay, and Jay's out for, there selling like paper mache helmets, man. <laughs> right? Yeah, it's good enough. Listen, you know, there's, places in the, there's places in the world where yeah. this happens. A lot wow. of manufacturing is done in people's backyards yeah. or in small areas and and it's um while those specifications are very good to have because they set a minimum standard don't be confused to think that everything's equal Pretty you know equal, I, I tell yeah. people fiat and ferrari are both italian cars and they both meet all of the same regulations to drive on the road yeah. They're but not they're the same, not though. the same right no very good at all very good point yeah and it's the same way with helmets okay. so buy a helmet that fits is most important. Yeah. 
buy a helmet that fits is most important. And do some research. Look at the quality of the okay. products. Um, try them on as, uh, as, as many as you can. Try on as many as you Absolutely. Try on as many okay. as you can. And, and something else I recommend is... If you're going somewhere to try on helmets, buy the helmet from the guy that lets you try it on. (laughs) Don't go waste two hours of somebody's time trying on helmets and then turn around and order it online because you saved $3. Yeah. Because... That guy has those in stock uh, for guy, a reason. He yeah. spit the money to put them in stock. Yeah. Patronize him with your business. Yeah, I know we have Or one else of, we'll find out where you work and we'll come yeah. spend three hours of your time to go buy from your competitors. Yeah, I know we had one of our listeners fly to, uh, you know, fly multiple states away just to try and helmets because, you know. He, well, he um, liked the service yeah, that he him. was getting from yeah. Yeah. Good for um, him. Any, uh, any other recommendations uh, for, for somebody in the market for a helmet in the next few years? Uh, do you know anything about uh, stuff coming down the line? Or? Well, um, that you can talk about? Well, yeah. yeah. We're, we're working on some lighter products, as okay. I think everybody is. Um, really, it all depends on what series you're racing in yeah. and what the requirements are. Okay. This is, and, and I'm still amazed how many people... Um, you know, I'll give you an example. We may have discussed this. There's series that are requiring 80, 60 helmets next year that didn't last year. Okay. You'll be amazed how many people are going to show up at Daytona mm-hmm. in January to go race. Yeah. And they're going to have a helmet that doesn't meet the new specifications. They're going to have to borrow one from their friend, et cetera. Or go buy a brand yeah. new one. Yeah. And yeah. like, you know, we. Jay, Jay's going down with the truck. <laughs> right. Like, we'll have everything. Of yeah. we, we have our new 8860 product priced yeah. at $27.99. Okay. And then we're working on uh, maybe a lighter zero at some point in the okay. future. Um, now, your background, uh, what is your motorsports background? Uh, how did um, you get into all this? This was funny. I um, I was always a huge open wheel racing fan. Oh, really? Okay. And so, um, I had worked for a guy in uh, Atlanta named Jim Downing. Oh yeah, yeah. Who you may yeah. recognize. And I worked for him in another capacity, selling automotive parts. Okay. okay. I'd been in the automotive parts business for years. Yeah. And um, a very good friend of mine who had also worked for Jim Downing ended up going to work for a company called Delara. Yeah. Who makes the chassis for the Indy cars? Yep. And I sat on the back of a uh, of a trailer of a company that sold parts for the Delores, and I watched him. And I said, "This guy's doing the same thing that I do, only he's getting paid a whole lot more money, and the yeah. guys coming out <laughs> buying parts know what they want." So in 1999, I was a single dad. I packed up my daughter, who was six years old at the time. Okay. Packed up everything we owned, and I moved up here to Indianapolis. Okay. I went to work for a company called Goodridge. Yeah, Goodridge Lines and Fittings. Yep. yep. Worked for, they transferred me down to Mooresville eventually, and I eventually went back home to Atlanta, and I went to work for Jim Downing in another capacity. It was right when the Hans device. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah, he was really one of the developers of Hans device. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. about 2000, that would have been about 2003. Yep. And, that was about uh, when I first heard of them. Yep. Yeah. They, they were looking for somebody to help them. I had been doing some work with Jim on the Goodrich side, and he said, would you like to come back and work with me on the Hans side? Okay. And so that kind of started my foray into the safety end okay. of the motorsports business, and I fell in love with it. Okay. Um, I realized really quick, safety is one of the most difficult things to sell race car drivers. Yeah. Because yeah. they don't necessarily understand that they can go faster. Yeah. Um, and 
they'd rather spend money on wheels and tires yeah, and, and camshafts and pistons and, and uh, yeah, we, we yeah. fight that even in the uh, in the track day business. Sure. Uh, you know, people want to buy a harness and it's cheaper on eBay to buy right. one that isn't SFI, isn't right. FIA, right. Um, and they don't want to put a roll bar around yeah. it right. uh, because that's expensive. And, and, yeah. and, and even worse than that is they buy this stuff and they don't understand. Even some of the guys that buy the best stuff yeah. don't understand if it's not used properly. Yeah, they if don't. If it's not mounted yeah. properly, it's not going to. They don't do realize it's all a system. That it, it is all interfaces all together. Yeah. yeah, and this is that's kind of what this evolved into for me. I got to work with. Um, some guys at NASCAR, some guys at GM that were basically pioneers in the motorsports safety industry for drivers. Yeah, yeah. Um, right along the time the Hans was coming out and full containment seats and yep. seven and eight and nine or seven and nine point belts and etc. Yeah. etc. And and um, I'm passionate about teaching people why they need better safety equipment and yeah. how to install it and how to use it and and hopefully hopefully never use it. <laughs> yeah. And if you do, you want it to be the correct stuff. That's um, the deal. That's what I tell right. them. It's one of those deals you have to do ahead of time because yeah. when you see a crash coming, you can't turn around no. and, and get yeah. the better you, pieces. You can't one, buy a better belt. You can't buy a better helmet. You can't uh, buy a head neck restraint. One thing that I notice when it comes to safety gear is that, for me at least, when I you know started driving with a Hans device, I actually, my lap time started to lower. Yeah. You know, I, I felt more comfortable pushing the limits a little bit more right i thought you the know? exact same thing yeah yep. and it's the same way with, with, with a uh, a properly fitted helmet yeah or a properly mounted set of belts yeah or a full containment seat yep. you know full containment that that's huge a lot of guys don't want to fits you well and has you know f- full uh, head surround and everything yeah. that you need to protect you in a frontal and a side impact and uh, and it's like you said when when you're fitted properly and something like that and everything's mounted properly, yeah. you're comfortable. Now you can focus on the task at hand, which yeah. is driving fast. Yeah. It, uh, the, the, a lot of people don't look at the entire picture. They're looking at one, one piece at a time. Right. Um, yeah. that is, uh, there's a lot of research to do, um, and that's part of the reason we started the, the podcast is we would talk to a lot of people about it, and you, know, you got you to tell more people why you need why you need more than just an eBay harness yeah. and a cheap helmet. But it, it, It's important. When I was at Hans, I realized very early I was doing a lot of work with dealers, yeah. and I was doing a lot of dealer training, and then that turned into safety training for competitors. Yeah. And, and I discovered, you know, safety can be a tough sell, but usually when people are educated, like what y'all are doing, it's great. Because the, the other thing I discovered is if I can educate a guy in the pits, yeah. his fellow competitors trust what he says. Yeah, absolutely. A whole lot more. If I'm telling them something, I still have a financial motive. Yeah. yeah. Make no doubt. You're still saying Even though my motives yeah. are good, yeah. you know, I, I have to eat every night and I have to sell product. Yeah. But. If I can tell you, if I don't have to sell my product, but basically teach you why you need to use something, then you're going to tell your buddies in the pits, and they're going to tell some. I, I tell people I, I work for the Church of the Painful Truth. <laughs> my goal is to, to create apostles to go out and spread the yeah. word of better safety. Yeah. Well, what's, because what's, when I started racing, yeah. I went to the guy that had been doing it for 20 years yeah. and said, Hey, Bob, what kind of helmet do I need? What kind of belts do I need? Yeah. I yeah. trusted him. Yeah, no, no it, and uh, and there's a lot of younger people coming into this sport that uh, 
you know, that there's not a lot of information. You don't know where to find that information. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, we're we're glad to have somebody like you on. Yeah. The pod- We've never talked about helmets much on the podcast no. before. I mean, and we I have, really, but not like in this context. Yeah, it's I'm like, gu- oh, I'm guilty so of really not thinking about it all that much until recently when, yeah. t- when we started talking about doing this. So. Now, you know, there's, there's a lot of people that have custom painted helmets and things like that, too. Yep. Um, for somebody that's interested in getting a helmet custom painted, what things do they need to watch out for as far as preparation and things go? Is there anything that can damage yeah, or you know sure. harm the integrity Absolutely. of the helmet? Absolutely. The first thing I say is find somebody that paints helmets for a living. Right. You might can find a guy at your local body shop that'll tell you he'll paint your helmet. But chances are he's not going to use the right chemicals and he's not going to prep it properly. Right. So find someone that paints helmets. Even if it's something that they do on the side, you want to make sure you're using an experienced helmet painter. And they know what products they can and can't use. Because, yeah, make no mistake that the part of the helmet that protects you outside of the shell is the EPS liner. Yeah. It's a styrene piece that's between the shell and the soft foam. And it can be damaged with chemicals. Yeah, in um, the preparation and preparation and is and, very uh, important, right? Yeah. And um, you know, uh, also the rubber trims on the helmet. A lot of people think they're fairly easy to re- <coughs> remove and replace, yeah. and that's not the case at all. Okay. So find an experienced helmet painter. Okay. Um, probably won't be cheap. Just right. to, you know, depending on what you want, because it's part of customizing your helmet. Yeah. But. Um, you're better off to go with a professional helmet painter yeah. and pay the extra money and get it done right. Uh, any uh, any recommendations for people on maintenance and care and cleaning of helmets? Sure, absolutely. Um, the the uh, sweat and hair products that people use are really what break okay. down the inside of a helmet. Yeah. Huh. They're what break down that EPS liner. Otherwise, you could basically buy a helmet and use it forever. Yeah. But it breaks down that styrene inner liner. So, it's important to keep it dry. Okay. Make sure either use a helmet dryer or some way to dry the helmet out after you've used it. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a company called Molecule that makes some really nice, and, and okay. I'm not pushing them because I have, you know, a, a connection to them. I just, I believe in the product line. They make some oh, good stuff. A lot stuff. of people have heard of it. Yep. Yeah. Uh, they make a good refresher for the inside. Um, Different people sweat differently, for yeah. lack of a better term. They really do. Some people sweat more, and some people's sweat is more toxic. So just keep it dry as much as you possibly can. Yeah. Um, it can be cleaned. You can use the molecule line to clean it. Yeah. At some point, you can use dish soap. Yeah. But uh, whatever you clean it with, make sure it's good and dry afterwards. I found that using a balaclava uh, helped my last helmet last longer. It does. Um, any, uh, any truth to that or no? Helps you, yeah, sure. Well, it'll, it'll take up uh, a little bit of the sweat that would yeah. only be transferred. And the other great thing about a balaclava is, I hope you never need it, but yeah. if you catch on it's fire, a little bit more. Yeah, it's a little bit extra yeah, this protection. this is the reason that I Yeah, there you eat. go. Yeah. Um, now, but, as far as, like, post-crash analysis, like, if you do have an incident oh, good question, with your yeah. helmet, like, what, when does a helmet need to be replaced? Because if it's, I know it's case-by-case basis, yeah. but say you've had an incident. Um, and maybe the helmet hasn't made contact with anything. Is there? Does the helmet still need to be checked over? Or? I always suggest it because this is, this is the deal. Um, anytime you're in an accident, whether your helmet contacts anything or not, yeah. if your head moved, your head made contact with that EPS liner, 
especially if you use if you're using a head and neck restraint, it did what it was supposed to do. Yeah. It did. That EPS liner took some contact, right. and once it's compressed, it's a one-time deal. Okay. So now, if you're sitting on the grid and you drop your helmet off the car, no. Okay. Because there wasn't any weight inside the helmet. I was, I was mm. just going to ask that. Is there is no. there any, uh, any no problem? Any, yeah, because that's that's what like for motorcycle helmets. That's exactly. what they always say. Like Same motorcycle thing. helmet falls off, like you should get a new helmet. Like that's Not what that's no. what they've no. I've always heard. But, but no. you know, from what as I'm hearing, as, see, uh, the helmet doesn't do anything unless there's some weight inside, inside of it. it. Your your okay. your brain. That makes some your sense. Head. So if there's nothing inside of it, just dropping it. Uh, as long as it's just um, cosmetic damage yeah. on the outside, that should be If you chuck it off the concern. roof on the concrete, it might have a problem. Yeah, or might or run it over with your truck, which we know people that have done that before. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> I saw that happen to an, a brand new indie car, a brand new helmet from an indie car driver had last year. It's probably a real cheap helmet, though, right? Uh, <laughs> just indie car guys, no big but deal. But you know what? To their credit, they said, "Look, you know, we, we can't take a chance on putting this on our yeah. guy's head. Okay. We got to get another helmet." Yeah. Interesting. Wow. Yeah, you know, helmets Helmets are one of those things that, to me, is really interesting because no matter what form of motorsport you participate in, it's something that you need. Absolutely. You know, it, it doesn't matter. And there's there's a lot of other action sports and things now. Right. You have to protect your head. Yeah. And so it, it's one of the, probably one of the only pieces of equipment that you can use, that you can use in many different facets of motorsports and extreme sports and things like that. And if you look at automotive helmets, look at how much they've changed over the years. I mean, originally, mm -hmm. it, you know, in the dawn of automotive racing, they were using leather skull caps. Yeah. My f of course, then the idea was to be thrown clear. They didn't even use seatbelts. Right. Yeah, actually, yeah, you want to be thrown clear. They don't want to burn. They want no. it to be somewhere else. But if, yeah. if you look at the, the history of it, it's changed and it's... Um, Technologies have, have helped produce better helmets, better EPS yeah. liners, better outer shells, more comfortable interiors. I would like to point out one thing because I know y'all got a lot of track day guys. Yep. And I see a lot of track day guys go out and buy DOT helmets because the series, they're the track owners or whoever it is, the organizers don't yeah. mandate Snell helmets. Yeah. Right. And most guys don't know what the difference is between a DOT rated helmet and a Snell rated helmet. Yep. Yep. The biggest difference other than the motorcycle helmet is designed for a single impact, the automotive helmet is designed for multiple impacts. Yeah. Because if you think about it, sometimes when we crash, we look like pinballs. Yep. We might yeah. hit three or four different things. It might but be the, three crashes in one. Right. Yeah, yeah. The other biggest difference is the DOT helmet is not fireproof. Yep. It's got a nylon liner. Yeah. Okay. SA and, rating versus M rating. And, right. Yeah. And and or, or and DOT. And to be honest with you, the level of impact that a DOT helmet has to withstand is so minimal. Okay. If most people knew, they would never want to put it on for yeah. an automotive yeah. type of. You know, there there are some track day groups out there that don't accept DOT helmets. They have to be either Snell or ECE rated. Yeah, we I at, think at Grid Life, we don't anymore. It has yeah. to be an SA 2010 right. or higher. Yeah. Um, and, and, and people don't understand what the difference is. They just see the Snell, uh, and it's an M or whatever. I've seen it for years, yeah. and, and and you know they're like, oh well, does it make a difference? And I think, well, not unless you catch on yeah. fire. Our, our insurance allowed it for a while. Melt in your head. Yeah, yeah. Just just last year is when we or two years ago is when. We we made the jump, and a lot of drivers didn't understand. Didn't right. Well, and, and it's this is something else that I think drivers have to remember. I don't care who you're racing with. Yeah. I don't care what organization it is. It has to be a financially viable operation. Yeah. They're a business. They're there to make money. A lot of people think my sanctioning body 
should mandate everything I need to be as safe as I can possibly be. If they mandated everything that you needed to be as safe as you possibly could be, yeah. and every driver had to meet those requirements, they'd end up losing yeah. competitors. We, we'd have pretty small fields if yeah, everybody had, a, had to have a so, 08860, but yeah. there's there's reasonable options out there, you know. But It's up to every competitor. Yeah. Um, now, Jay, I, uh, I see that there's some orange helmets over there. Um, obviously, those are for offshore, you know, marine racing. Um, what is the difference between, you know, when somebody sees an orange helmet, uh, are there any differences in the construction or the materials or anything? Not at all. Okay. It's just the color. <laughs> so if you can't afford it a is custom... It is a cool orange color, though. If you can't it's afford a custom cool. paint job. I have seen people buy those helmets for automotive use so, just so simply so because they like the cool, bright orange That's really true, like they had, like, a change of foam. So they yep. like float, so uh, your head yep, like bobs yep. above water. Yep. <laughs> like. Well, they, you know, the, the EPS liner that's in the helmet should make it, uh, uh, it should float anyway. Okay. okay. Yeah. Now, so, so if you ever drop your helmet in the water, you're fine. Just yeah. Yeah. dry out real well. Yeah. And this, you know, back to the cleaning aspect, you can completely submerge a okay. helmet. It's not water. a problem. Not a problem as long as, as, long you, dry as, as you, you dry it, it out. dry completely. Yeah. So, right. so when I get out of my car after my last session, it's not a good idea to just take the helmet off, throw my sweaty gloves in it, no. and stuff it in my helmet bag. Right? Not at all. I have done that forty I've never, times. No. Never done that ever. No, no, don't. Okay. Uh, let, let it air out. Okay. Get, you get your helmet dryer. If you don't have a helmet dryer, then just uh, make sure it's somewhere with the shield open so that the air yeah. can uh, flow okay. through it. Now I know, like for me. Um, one of my first helmets, when I needed to wash it, I just pulled the liner out and the cheek cushions and everything and threw them in the washing machine. Right. Was that good or is that bad? You no, know, obviously, fine. there's different detergents and things that could, you know, break things down. Well, but now, I, I will say this. Um, because the inside of these helmets are Nomex line, what a lot of people don't understand, and, and I didn't really realize this till I went to work with Simpson and I sold some suits. Um, Tide, gain, any of the regular laundry detergents will break down the Nomex fireproof really? yeah. quality. Huh. That's one of the reasons I recommend the Molecule product yeah. because their suit cleaner stuff is designed for Nomex. Okay. And so, um, yeah, the only thing that I would recommend is using a fabric cleaner that's designed for race suits okay. or something similar that's designed for Nomex. I'd say there's probably a lot of people out there that don't know that. Don't know. Uh, and like their, their underwear, right. their socks, Absolutely. all that stuff. They just and throw it in the washing you machine. Wash it, it's going to, wow. That's why most suit manufacturers will recommend that. Before the advent of the Molecule line, most people would say take it to a dry cleaner that's had experience yeah. with it, okay. yeah. because they're using chemicals that won't break down the Nomex. Wow! So, but, but yeah. if you've actually, if you if you absolutely have to clean something off and you had to use it the next day, just straight water, sure. it up no, as much as absolutely. you can. What okay. about listeners out there that have already washed some of their safety equipment? Is there any way to get that fire resistance back? Not that I know of. No. 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 Man. No, not that I know of. It's maybe actually a new, it's, it's, uh, maybe it's built new into piece the, soon. No. Time, I think, time I think yeah, I think yeah. you have just got a lot of people thinking yeah. uh, oh, about... Man, I watched yeah, my polyclava yeah. last week. Yeah, yeah. No, no, <laughs> like, yeah. or my gloves, or my underwear, yeah. my socks. Yep. Like, No, look look into it. If you're going to do that, and I think that was, you know, I'm, I'm not sure there probably is somebody else out there with a line similar to Molecule, but that was the thing that attracted me to 
something like that was now I don't have to take my stuff to the dry cleaner anymore. I can actually wash yeah. it at home. You yeah. know, Adam, you and I need to get an enclosed trailer and just start going to all these pro races and laun there you go. laundering yeah, everyone's laundry stuff service. before the race. I, in, in, in six years, I've actually only air dried my suit. I've never washed it. I need to... It's starting to get a little. Is it standing up on its own yet? Not yet. It doesn't yet. walk okay. away either. Walk but, away. Okay. Yeah, if, <laughs> if somebody is incapable of washing their, you know, their Nomex up properly, would you recommend just leaving it dirty and to maintain all of that, you know, that fire resistance? Just let it dry. Just let it let it dry. Yeah. <laughs> Once it turns you away and you don't want to race anymore, then it's time to clean it. Yeah, right. It just uh, says no, no hey. more. Uh, now, with all your years of experience in the safety industry, uh, any uh, any really interesting stories uh, that because uh, we love racer stories yeah. here. Maybe a few. Um, I I got to tell you something. When uh, my background is in sports cars and open wheel stuff, okay. that was always what I was really drawn to. And when I came back to uh, Atlanta and went to work for Jim Downing, yeah, working for Hans. Um, within a couple of years, NASCAR mandated the Hans device. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They made the Hans device. Everybody had to use a Hans. Before that, they were allowed to use a couple of products. Yeah. And in 2005, they decided everybody would have to use a Hans device starting at the Daytona 500. I had never been to a NASCAR event in my life. <laughs> yeah. Never. And so I got sent down to Daytona with the task of making sure every driver in all three top series was comfortable in a Hans. Okay. Now about 80% of them are already wearing a Hans, they were already comfortable. The other 20%, out of the other 20%, I'd say all but two were fairly easy to work with. Uh oh. <laughs> but there were two that were so adamantly opposed to Were those to the it. guys that would smoke cigarettes during the race? Yeah. No, no, he wasn't. <laughs> um, actually, I can tell you, I'll tell you the two were. The two were Rusty Wallace and Tony Stewart. Really? Really? And it was Rusty Wallace's last year racing in cup okay and uh i felt so sorry for him i tell you he looked like a cat in a box really when i would put the hans device <laughs> on him in the car he was so uncomfortable and he cussed and and he said lots of nasty things nope. and said he would never use it what again. was the biggest complaint was it like side to side visibility nope. they couldn't you know what the biggest complaint was he'd never worn it before huh and this goes back to why it's a good idea to wear all the safety equipment you can from the day you start racing because human beings by nature don't creatures like change. Yeah. We're, we're yeah. creatures of habit. You know, you put your right or your left shoe on every day yep. first. Yeah. And if you try and change that for a month, you'll find out that you can, but it's not an easy change. So it was just a matter of he'd been racing his whole career and he'd never had to use it. Yeah, 20, thing. 30 years. Right. So, so, like, people's first helmet shouldn't be a Stilo because they'll be ruined forever and won't be able to wear <laughs> that's it. Exactly, <laughs> that's exactly why it should be a Stilo. <laughs> It's exactly why it should be a steel, yeah. and they should be wearing a head neck restraint from yeah. day one. Right. But yeah. anyway, so I worked with them down at Daytona, and they were given the ultimatum. You know, if you're not going to wear it, you don't race in the 500. They so, were, they were so firm about it. Yeah. He did. I left, and he wasn't happy. But it was funny. The next summer, or that summer, I noticed when Tony Stewart won the July NASCAR race, he was climbing the fence with his Hans device on and I said, well, I guess he got comfortable. So there's one down. Still wearing it, yeah. Still wearing yeah. it. Still wearing it to climb the fence. I uh, got to Homestead. I had to go down to Homestead. There was an IndyCar test at the beginning of the next year. Rusty Wallace had been hired by ABC as an IndyCar commentator for the first year that he left NASCAR. Yeah. Okay? So. <laughs> I don't get it. The cars turn right. What's going right. on? Yeah. <laughs> so 
I'm down at Homestead for this IndyCar test, and I'm walking through the pits, and I hear this, Jay, Jay, somebody's hollering. And I look around, and the only person I see is Rusty Wallace. And he's, like, jogging towards me, and I'm thinking, you know, who's he talking to? And he gets up, and he goes, Jay, remember me? It's Rusty Wallace. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> wait, who are you? <laughs> Never heard I think I know you. I'm Never heard of remember me. Remember that one time I almost punched you in the grid at Daytona? <laughs> <laughs> For making me wear that thing? And he says, he says, look, uh, you know, I'm doing the commentating for ABC next year, and um, Roger has told me I can get in Sam Hornish's Indy car and do some laps on the road course, and I want to make sure that my Hans device that I used in NASCAR is going to work in the Indy car. And I was like, holy cow, dude. And so he was fine with that after a while. I, I said, do you remember to you? I was like, oh, yeah, I remember all that. But all it took me was two crashes, and I wouldn't get in a car without it again yeah. now. I, so. I had a couple of friends when uh, when SCCA mandated the SFI 38.1 or whatever, uh, and where you had to have a head and neck, where they were mad, like really, really mad. Uh, and they... They just some of it was that uh, one of the head necks they were using wasn't a thirty-eight point one or whatever that rating is. Right. Um, but uh, that they, they they resisted that change so yeah. much, uh, and so I can understand, especially somebody that's been racing for so long, like yeah. him, you know. But in, in the end, he used it. He he appreciated it, and yeah. uh, he sent several other guys to see me to get them too. So I, now it's it's to the point now where like for me, whenever I drive a vehicle without a Hans device, I feel naked. Right, yeah. I literally Good. feel naked, and it might be because like the first session that I ever had a Hans device, I put a car into a wall at Mid Ohio. Like literally, first That'll session. That'll be enough to convince you. Mid Ohio was like, okay, yeah. cool, right, but. Well, I was That's glad to have to one when I had a heavy front impact at Rotolana. It was uh, I was glad it was there. Yeah. Coming from the world of Hans, you guys don't know how good that makes me feel yeah, to hear awesome. that because it was a tough sell early on. Oh yeah, it really was. But and, now you have yeah. some of those videos out there where you know where there's two people like real like real life oh, video yeah, where, where you can two see people with in a car. Without. Yeah, yeah one's and, like, got one, the driver one has one, right. the passenger doesn't. Right. Scary, very yeah. scary, man. And, really scary. And, and, and I think a lot of people don't realize too that that product didn't come about from a guy trying to make a bunch of money. Yeah, it was truly an altruistic. Um, idea because they had a friend that died of a basilar skull fracture and realized the need for something like right, that. Yeah. And it just happened to be the case of two guys with the perfect knowledge to come up with a product to, yeah. to solve the problem. And the cool thing is now there's so many other products that do the same thing as the Hans yeah, or several other products. Under, so you don't have to buy a yeah, Hans device. Yeah. You can under, go and buy a hybrid or something else. Under the Simpson umbrella, you know, we do have a lot of drivers that drive or instruct in cars with three-point belts. Yeah. You know, obviously the hybrid, yep. the is hybrid there. S, right? Has been, and, and that's another kind of interesting story. I was before I left to go to work for another helmet manufacturer, and then came back to Simpson. Um, we were getting a lot of calls from Ford, Ford Engineering, buying hybrid huh. devices for their tests. And, and for we their, were like, their "What are you using drivers? these for?" And they said, "We're using them for the engineering drivers." And we said, what, with, with five-point belts? And they said, no, with three-point belts. Wow. And we were like, well, wait a minute. We don't know that. And they were like, oh, well, yeah, we've already tested it. It works with three-point belts. Here's mm -hmm. here's the empirical data. Yeah. So <laughs> We did it for you. We yeah. did it. They did. <laughs> you free thought, of charge. And we thought, how great. Now we know that this thing does work in a yeah. three-point, which the Hans never right. did. Because it's designed yeah, for, for, for no, double both shoulder belts. Yeah, what's no. the difference between the hybrid and the hybrid S? Okay, the hybrid S was its... Um, 
the way that it works is a little bit different, the way that it pivots. Okay. So it's not necessarily relying on the two belts, the friction of the two belts over the top. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, if you'll notice, it's got a longer back that comes down. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the straps are a little bit different. The cool thing about the Hybrid S, especially for the track day instructors who are also racing. In different cars. They, they might and, yeah. do a, you know, they might instruct in a, in a, in a Corvette or a Porsche with a three-point belt. Yeah. And then they might go out next weekend and race with a car that has a yeah. full race setup. Yeah. And with the Hybrid S, it can be used in either application. Yeah. Yeah. It actually has a couple of straps that come underneath and attach to the lap belt to make it work just as effectively really? with huh. the five-point harness yeah. or a six-point harness, which is what I recommend as it would with a three-point harness. Yeah, our time attack director, Abram, has one, and he loves it. Yeah. So, well, yeah. And, and we, you know, I hate to say it, but there was a couple of instructors over the last three or four years that met untimely demises might, as might a result happen, of riding yeah. in a passenger yeah. car with somebody else. And so it's nice to know that there is a head and neck restraint that will work with yeah. a three-point application. Yeah. Well, uh, we appreciate you uh, in your busy booth here having some yeah. time for us, man. You got... I appreciate you taking me away from the busy booth for a while. <laughs> we'll this, come back tomorrow. Yeah, this has been a very busy booth for <laughs> hey, you. My coworkers may not appreciate it, but I've enjoyed it. <laughs> no, it's uh, it's been very informative. I appreciate it. This was a great show, man. Yeah. Yeah, so. where can people find out more about uh, Stilo? We actually have a Stilo website, website thing. Yep. Yeah. Nope, not that. Hang on. Pull out the cheat sheet. Ah, there we go. There Stickers. We go. All right. SilaHelmets.com. Yep. Awesome. Go. Cool. Well, we appreciate it, Jay. Thanks so much for coming on, and uh, hopefully yeah. uh, we'll be able to check in with you sometime at, uh, at a future event. Thank you, Adam. Thank you, Austin. No problem, man. Appreciate it, guys. Have a great day.